This special Dopey Day episode of Dopey is brought to you by Aloe Recovery. Located in sunny Southern California and created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends Evan, Jared, and Bob with the mission of creating a treatment that treats alcoholics and addicts with compassion and connection rather than control. They have decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness, and they make sure that you are treated like a person. Everyone that I know that has been there said they were treated well, which is the most important thing at a, uh, a treatment. Also, their detox is super comfortable, which is also killer when you're kicking benzos or crack or heroin or beer, alcohol, whatever. A good detox is a good thing to have. Aloe also has amazing amenities, including sound bath meditation, equine therapy, surfing, and the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge experience. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California to get some help, I highly recommend going to Aloe. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Soberlink. At Soberlink, somebody cares about your recovery. Unfortunately, relapse is so common, especially when it comes to alcohol, because it is widely available and highly prevalent in many social settings. That's why having true accountability and a deterrent from drinking is so important for staying sober. Soberlink has been empowering and helping people with alcohol use disorder since 2011 and is trusted by hundreds of treatment facilities. The Soberlink system consists of a portable handheld device that documents proof of sobriety in real time, keeping you connected to your family, friends, sponsor, treatment professional, recovery coach, or anyone else who worries about your well-being. As an exclusive offer to our listeners, email info at soberlink.com and mention Dopey for 50 bucks off your device. Do it for that someone who cares and let Soberlink help you to stay off of the sauce. Also, check us out at soberlink.com slash Dopey. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Clean Cause. Clean Cause is an amazing tasting, sparkling yerba mate beverage that puts purpose behind your daily pick-me-up. They are certified USDA organic and offer low and zero calorie options. It is delicious with 160 milligrams of naturally sourced caffeine. And you know you're doing good with every sip when 50% of the profits support people like you and me, which are addicts in recovery. It is better caffeine. Use the code DOPEY for 15% off your next order from cleancause.com. If you like Yerba Mate beverages, please use the DOPEY code for 15% at cleancause.com. Support Clean Cause because they support us. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Recovery in the Middle Ages podcast, which is, of course, a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. Listen as they discuss topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step, alt-recovery, the newest in medical research, and talk about their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and their anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings. If the neighbors only knew 
Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, and MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's MiddleAgesRecovery.com. I was on that show once. It was great. Go listen. This episode of Dopey is also, most importantly, brought by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the power and passion of Dopey Patreon. That's right. It's Dopey Patreon www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. If you've ever been curious of what my father's lake house looks like, you could see it on Dopey Patreon. If you ever wanted to see my dad's apartment, also available on Dopey Patreon. If you want to see me interviewing Pavement in 1998, it's on Dopey Patreon. Ray Brown, back on the Raytreon on Patreon. Check it out. Kick down a few bucks. It keeps the show moving forward. Please join us on Patreon. It's the place to be. www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. And, of course, if you want gear, you go to dopeypodcast.com. SRO Prince in Ohio is pumping out the clothing. Uh, They have a ton of amazing stuff. Look for new stuff very soon. I just had a conversation where there's new stuff coming out soon. And I have so many fucking hats, you wouldn't believe it. I got the dopey trucker hats. I got the new fucking good so bad trucker hats. I got the dopey nation trucker hats with the, the Grateful Dead Bertha logo. I've got, don't tell the Grateful Dead though. I've got the Oyve snapbacks. I've got the classic dopey snapbacks. Buy a hat, buy some stickers, just Venmo me, whatever you want in stickers, I'll send it to you. Hats with stickers are 30 bucks. hats alone are 25 but the stickers are well worth it. I throw a ton in. Anyway, enough with the fucking ads. Here is the fucking Dopey Day Spectacular.
welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And this is uh, the Dopey Day show, so happy Dopey Day. Uh, and on the phone, I have my friend Colin, who is also Chris's friend. Uh, he, he lived with Chris for, for a long time, and I was at mountainside and rehab with chris and i remember the day welcome to the show first welcome to the show colin hello dopey dude he's been how many times you've been on the show three times i think three three or four times yeah and Standing back from like the very beginning and you were a dopey zoom speaker so you've got you're no no stranger to the dopey nation no i feel like i have a place in uh the dopey broadcast world Definitely. I remember when you came into Mountainside, it was you and this kid, Blake. And I remember, like, I was very stupid at the time. And I was very, I, I looked at things very simply. And I thought you were the good one and Blake was the evil one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Blake was a character. He, uh, I mean, he, I'll give him credit. He, like, took me in pretty quickly. Like, he was my roommate. And the first night that, that I moved in there, like it was well established that it was like a military style setup where he expected me to make my bed. He expected me to put all my shoes underneath the bed. And he also somehow was able to get clearance for this giant frame picture of him in a tuxedo driving like a cigarette boat underneath <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge. So he had a frame so. picture, but he, he made you follow his own rules. Yeah, and then I went to bed every night staring at him, um, the picture of him hanging over my head every single night in Montclair. <laughs> Were you like, Blake, why did you drive a cigarette boat wearing a tuxedo? Well, he, that's when he started telling me that he had a massive like weed operation and that he wanted to hire me after Mountside. So um, that was my initial plan post-rehab post was to, work under Blake as one of his uh, employees of his weed growing operation out in San Francisco. One of Blake's goons. Yeah, exactly. That, that was like, those were my goals. Like that, that seemed like a dream come true for me <laughs> at that time. That was like, I made it. <laughs> so what, what, so like at what point was, was it during your stay at mountainside where you were like, maybe I don't want to run weed on cigarette boats for Don Blake. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it was like meeting Chris and meeting Ted and like Chris just incessantly making fun of me for thinking that was a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That probably shifted. Yeah. And I was also like, I mean, my, my self-worth was so low that like literally anybody could tell me that something was like stupid and I would believe them and like. So luckily I have Chris and Ted being like, that's a stupid idea. You should probably do something different. Well, before I say anything else to the Dopey Nation, I need to say that you are one of the sweetest people I've ever met. And sometimes your sweetness could be construed as gullibility. But sweet is, you know, you are as sweet as the day is long, as my mother would say. Very, very (laughs) sweet. Um, And just so you know, I didn't tell you today, or really it's going to be tomorrow, the day that this show comes out, it's my fucking six-year anniversary. How do you like that? That's insane. That's absolutely insane. I like that. You hear the the sound effects of the applause? Did that play through your phone? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I heard that. Good. Um, yeah. And you, you have what? Eleven years? Twelve years? Ten years? How many years I, you got? I got ten years in May. And that, yeah. see, the irony is, or not irony, but the fact was, you came into Mountainside in May of 2011, which is when I was in Mountainside. And you managed yeah. to keep it together since then, which is just incredible. Yeah. Miracle. <laughs> and I don't yeah, know if you know this, but Dopey Day, okay, last year we celebrated Dopey Day on the day that Chris died, and the idea was that everybody in the Dopey Nation puts the Dopey logo over their eyes so that, like, you can't tell on social media. So yeah. if you're listening in the Dopey Nation, uh, you put the Dopey logo over your eyes in solidarity uh, around drug addiction and ending the stigma, and it kind of creates this thing where no one knows who's who. Didn't you think that was pretty sweet, Colin? You put the, the, the Dopey logo over your eyes, if I remember correctly. I, I put it over my son's eyes, my three-year-old son's eyes. <laughs> well, that's close enough. Uh, yeah, close enough. Yeah. And it was a smashing success last year, and I'm hoping to do something like that this year. We have, like, a bunch of artists doing dopey murals in honor of Chris. We have a, a mural in New York. We have a mural in San Luis Obispo, California, I just got word today that we're going to have murals in Philadelphia, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and in Los Angeles, too. I asked Dylan to put a mural on the house out there, and he's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> he, didn't get, he didn't tell us about that, so maybe we can try to revisit that. Dude, we have until Monday. Monday would have been yeah. Chris's 37th birthday, so get mm -hmm. on the horn with the folks at uh, – at your guys' secret location in the in the cat in the Berkshires, and uh, and right. see if you can get a, a thing up. Now, yeah, I'll get on that. Get on that. If not, just draw something in chalk. You know, that'll, okay, that'll work. Have your son yeah. son draw a big bird in chalk. That'll totally, <laughs> that'll totally cover it. But we were talking yeah. about like obviously, you know, Colin and I were both at Chris's funeral, and Colin was on the first Christmas show with all of the crew from the Berkshires and the second one with a bunch of the crew from the Berkshires. And as time goes on and you work in, in treatment, you work with, with, with drug addicts. Yeah. So you must deal with a lot of death. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something that like is a part of this, um, which can be like really difficult to, to accept and, and deal with for sure. I mean, Chris was, I mean, I, I've lost a lot of friends, but Chris is the closest friend that I, that I lost um, to addiction. And like, I mean, I still, it still has an effect on me to this day. Yeah, me too. Um, when you were, uh, you were, we were, we were texting and you were talking about uh, a thing that happened with one of the clients that you were working with. Could you tell that story a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, I was talking to this guy who who experienced um, somebody that he knew uh, who overdosed and died um, that he was in treatment with, and and he kind of came came to me about it and was asking me like how how to process something like that, and um, I I don't know, like I it's this weird it's this weird thing, and it's not necessarily a thing that I like really like about 
experiencing death so much, but it just becomes like this like cold. Sometimes I have this cold response to it where it's just like, that's what happens. And um, that's a part of this thing. And you can like, all you can really do. And, and this is what I've like, because like when, when Chris died, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like regret and like feelings of like, I should have done something differently. I mean, we've talked about that at nauseam. Um, but like, I feel like part of like protecting myself from that feeling is just like having acceptance of death and like seeing it in a way that all I can really do is reach out to the people that are still alive and that are still like in this struggle. And like, that's where like my responsibility lies, you know? And, and, uh, the friend who I was talking to, like, um, I don't know, he had a different, he had a different reaction to that. And, felt like there that coldness was like a a feeling of like lack of re- taking responsibility for when people die. What does um, that mean and, exactly? Um that like like th- there's too much acceptance around death in this world and um and I, I think I think I also like contributed to the fact that um, like this is the first time he one of the first times he's experienced somebody close to him dying and like I felt the same way. I mean when when Dave died, I felt I felt like my whole world was shook, like everything was a lie. Like I, I there was like a feeling of like there were certain deaths where like people were doing the right thing. And they still ended up relapsing and dying. And that made me question everything and feeling the need to like grab onto something and like find some type of purpose in that when like it felt like my purpose was like my foundation of recovery was shaken so heavily. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if that's that, like I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that could be something where like you go into a meeting and, and, and somebody shares about, uh, an overdose death and you get a response of like, well, that person wasn't doing the right thing. He wasn't right. doing all the right things. And right. like, that's what happens when you don't do the right things. And that's like, that can suck. That can be like a shitty, um, like, Oh, it can, it can appear to be this like kind of write off of this cop out of like, Oh, well like this, like black and white, that person didn't do X, Y, and Z and therefore he or she is dead. And like it's more complicated than that. Well, and, it's 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 dealing with something that's really really hard to deal with. It's like what my sponsor said when Chris died. That was Chris carrying the message. Or even before all that, like when we're in treatment or when we're at meetings, everyone says they talk about the bodies that we're going to have to step over. Like that's a big yeah. phrase, right? Stepping over yeah. fucking bodies, and it's like. I mean, I've never been at war. I know you've never been at war. We never actually had to step over bodies. But, like, it's just such, like you're saying, it's such a complicated thing. But, like, in reality, all you can do is is step over the bodies and, 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 and be about your own recovery and look out for whoever you can look out for. And I think, and you were talking about Dave Marshall, just in case anybody didn't know. Um, it's like... I talked to, I mean, like, that was like, he was the first person that I was close to that died. And I remember uh, when I found out he died that I was sick. 
You know, I, I remember I was like at my computer and Chris texted me that he died really matter of factly. He just texted me, yeah. Dave Marshall just died, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like fucking sick. Like I remember, I remember the feeling because I don't, it hadn't happened before. And, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, just the idea, like it, it's obviously complex, but it's funny that you brought him up because, you know, on dopey day shows, it's a chance to like revisit Chris's own words about this stuff. Do you want to hear what Chris had to say that week about Dave Marshall's death? Yeah, for sure. It might sure. be a little callous and it might make you emotional. So just stand by. Are you with me here? Yeah, I'm with you. All right, hold on. And just to set this up for everybody, this is me and Chris starting an episode and we were recording it in a, a hotel room. Like Chris's dad had rented him a hotel room because I had left the Lower East Side. And I, I think my I think I get I don't think Chris liked recording when my dad was home. Although who knows? Um, my dad will think that's funny that I said that. But Chris liked it when his father bought uh, hotel rooms and we would record there. And uh, and Dave Marshall had just died. And we start the episode here. So are you ready for that, Colin? Yeah. All right, here we go. But before we play this classic clip, I just want you guys to know that Dopey Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And you can check out betterhelp.com slash dopeypodcast because life is full of stressors, obviously. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have. Your life is probably stressful. You may not be feeling down and out and depressed or like you're at a total loss, but if your stress is high, your temper is shorter than usual, or even if you're starting to feel strain in any of your relationships, you could probably use the chance to unload. Unload the stress and get it out. Talk to someone who's completely unbiased about your life, someone who isn't going to judge you or take sides on anything. This is really important to, to having a nice life and feeling unencumbered. Better help is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to and i definitely wouldn't want to it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours unload the stressors get the unbiased feedback and you'd be pretty surprised with what you might get from it see if it's for you that's better com slash dopey podcast you guys in the Dopey Nation get 10% off. If you're thinking about getting therapy, go to BetterHelp. It's betterhelp.com slash dopeypodcast. And now here is the uh, Dave Marshall clip. Chris talking about Dave Marshall's death. Hello and welcome to Dopey. The podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave. I'm Chris. And um, I want to say that we're in this fancy hotel in the Lower East Side, but we have way more important business than that. Well, we should describe the settings first. I mean, you don't have to be so heavy. It's very heavy. It's heavy. You just, just keep it light. It's not light. It's very, very heavy. It should not be treated lightly. Uh, one of our listeners and friends, one of Chris's old, you know, how long did you know him for? Since 2011. So Chris's friend since 2011, my friend for the last year, uh, died two weeks ago, a week two and a half ago. Week, something like that, yeah. Uh, he overdosed. And he, he was on the show. He was on the show three times. The first time he was on, he recorded an hour and a half, his story, his whole life story, and Chris wound up erasing it. By accident. It was also the only episode where Dave and I got in a fight 
Big on fight. air, yeah. Bigfoot. A legit uh, real fight, which is horrible that it got to... I feel bad for Dave, because we literally pushed record, and, like, right after we pushed record and did the intro, for some... Like, within minutes, we started fighting, and I remember Dave sitting there, and Dave is just, like, hulking strong cross crossfit owner crossfit trainer guy and he was just sitting there and his shoulders were slumped over and his knees were close together and he was hunched in like this well, while we argued with each other he was chris and dave came chris and this dave came and he is the first no, he came himself he took the train oh he didn't come with you no he took the train where'd you meet him i met him in union square for some reason and um and they came to my restaurant and I gave them food, and that was when I met Dave. And then we went to my house, and then Chris. When we started recording, Dopey. and all the girls, you said we're checking him out. Oh yeah, he yeah. was incredibly <laughs> handsome. Yeah. It's like he's like the most cautionary tale of a drug-related death. He was kind, incredibly handsome, intelligent, in- incredibly smart, fit as the most fit person in the he world. Was, he was a tough guy. But then there was this huge dichotomy with being this really sensitive person, too, who was, like, into fish and, like, played the guitar and sang and stuff like that. Was he into fish? Yeah. I I always got the Pink Floyd vibe from him. All of that. He had a dog that he named after Sid Barrett. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. His dog's name is Barrett. That's the one his dad talked about in the obituary? Yeah. He just got. I don't know. Um, But... And the reason I said in the beginning, keep it light, is that's to honor Dave. And it's like, I also, like, intentionally tried to do that when we went out to eat after, was, like, to make jokes and stuff. Because, like, that's the type of person Dave was, is, like, he was funny. And that's why he liked Dopey. Of course. it's sad and it's horrible, of course. And it's like, I feel bad because I didn't really feel much at first. And I still don't. Like, I don't, like, feel really deeply over it. I think about it every once in a while. But it's mostly, like, and I said this to you when we were by ourselves... It's mostly, like, in, like, a year I'll think of him, and then in two years, and then it's, like, in ten years, and I'll be more sad at those points because I'll realize he's been dead this whole time. He didn't get that time. He doesn't have that time, and, like, he would have been doing some pretty cool stuff. Well, you never know. That's when it's sad. You never know what anybody would do or wouldn't do, but the bottom line is that Dave didn't get the chance because of this. You know, and, and the other thing, and the reason that... I, I totally get keeping it light and that Dave was uh, all about having fun and being funny and all that stuff. But um, we do a podcast on the lighter side of drug addiction, on the dark comedy of addiction <laughs> tales or whatever you want to fucking call it. And here we have one, you know, he was a committed listener. He played Dopey in his gym yeah. every week. He made the people working out listen to it, and they laughed about the drug addiction, and now he's dead. You know, so I'm not saying it shouldn't be light. I'm saying, you know, everybody who's Temporal listening... what we say with the reality of drug addiction. Well, yeah, everybody who's listening who's not clean, who's, like, speedballing on the way to the fucking dope spot or whatever you fuck you're doing getting emails about people listening while they go cop yeah and then but, people but they shooting. actually usually say they listen while they cop and then they add at the end like I gotta stop you know um yeah um I'm sorry I looked at something something popped up but um fucking because people listen okay and use and because we have such a good time making the show, I just think it's important. I think I got hit in the face 
with Dave's death. And we make this comedy show about the funniest parts of of using drugs and being an addict. And I like the funny parts of recovery, too. I think they're super funny. But I just want to make it clear that it's very, very easy to die getting high. Yeah. That we're both very lucky that totally. we didn't no, die. I pick up what you're saying. And I pick up what you're saying even like if, if – and I don't know if this is what I'm hearing is sort of like a concern about the show. And that's because – I mean even at the funeral, we were going through the receiving line. I was like a little nervous to see his dad and his mom. Not his dad so much because he would communicated with you and me before. But I was like I, I didn't know where – like what they would think of me and like, you know, what we do and stuff like that, you know? And I also just felt bad. I felt like I, we could have done more to help Dave, but you never, I mean, that's, you can't beat yourself up over that. Yeah. That's I'm not, I, I refuse, I refuse to beat myself up over that because he, he just, I don't even, we don't even know how he died. We don't even know what happened. Do you know what happened? I'm just assuming you, I mean, he overdosed three times in the last couple of months. He's not the type of person who would kill himself. So, Chances are he overdosed. Right. I mean, it's not like <laughs> there's very little anybody can do for somebody who's going to use. But uh, it's funny because I was listening. We, I was thinking that we should play his What last... do you mean there's very little you could do? Like, I think there is stuff you can do, but it has to be precipitated with some sort of effort on the person's head. I'm saying I talked to Dave all the time. Yeah, yeah. I called him. Um, but... And he said he was going to go to meetings. He I, said mostly he would, I was, he, call, he would call me. He probably called me like in those, whatever, three months where he was struggling, two and a half, three months. He probably called me like five times. You know, my, 30 days of that or so was in rehab. He probably called me five or six times. And I talked to him for a little bit. But I never really like reached out to him. Like I would text him. And like I felt bad about that. I was like I should have called him more or something. He barely answered the phone. I mean, when I called him, he would always text me on Facebook, and then I would call him. Yeah. And then, like, he would never call back, and then he would text me again and be like, oh, I forgot to call back. So it's like, my point is, no matter how much you might reach out to somebody, if somebody wants to get high, they're going to, number one. Yeah. I mean, and then number two, once they decide they're going to get high, they might die from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you don't know which shot is going to be. That's my whole point right now. That's my whole thing. And yeah, and the rest of and for Dave, it was exacerbated because he was in perfect shape, literally, and he was using occasionally, right? But it was and funny shooting dope. I was listening to. Um, I was really torn in my mind if we should play his last phone call. I think it was episode 71, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure. Maybe it was 70. I don't know. You guys should find out. Maybe should I find out? But but uh, we were talking to him about it, and what we said was uh, you should really treat recovery the way you treat fitness. Oh, yeah. And he said, and his response was so interesting. He said, he said, lots of people have said that to me. He said, the way I look at life is if you're not going to be totally about it, what's the point? And I didn't make the connection to that's how he used heroin like because he was totally what do you mean like he, he took totally gigantic him. shots yeah, yeah. you know what i mean and he used the way he worked out i mean i, I would look at because he overdosed so many times in the last couple of months and it's just like he yeah he had to be doing a lot like he wasn't testing it he wasn't you know he was doing big shots and that's very dangerous i would always even when i had a crazy habit 
if it was new, I would I would take like a, a, a half shot first, just because yeah. I didn't want to die. Yeah, you know, I would see how much I had. If I had Do you twenty, know what the habit you would. If I had, it, it, yeah, because what I when I was really using, I would get like twenty bags at a time or thirty bags at a time, yeah. and the first shot would always be three bags. Yeah, you know, just to see how strong it was, because yeah. I didn't think three bags would ever kill me. Yeah, and then I would shoot like six or seven. Yeah, because it would never oh, be so that you strong. Still do three when you say half, you still do three. Okay. I mean, half of whatever yeah, my yeah, normal shot was if it was new stuff. See, I never even cared for dope. I would be so reckless with Coke. I would put a, a lot of Coke in the syringe, and I always would just do enough dope to, like, make it so I wasn't sick. Like, I didn't even care. Like, I would sometimes do big shots. I just never was getting high off of it. With, with dope, I never wanted... I, as much as I didn't really like living, I really didn't want to turn up dead from it. <laughs> you really didn't want to die. Yeah. Colin, you listening? Yeah. What do you make of that? It may, I I thought of a few things to that. Um, First of all, the sound quality was way better than I ever gave us credit for. It sounded pretty good. Sound quality. Yeah, you could hear both of you. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> and but then secondly, it put me in that trance. Like Chris was here. Wasn't that weird? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man. Um, I don't know. This is this is what I thought. I this is like Chris to a T with when it came to like the acute, like, getting the news of somebody dying or, like, experiencing, like, discomfort in the moment. Like, it was part of why I love talking to Chris about really in- intense things because he just he just could not get serious around it and connect on an emotional emotional level with it. So he would, ma- he would make it light and he would laugh and, like, not know how to process it in the moment, <laughs> if that makes sense. Sure. Um, it's one of the best things about him because it's like a forever young thing, right? It's like, totally. it's like, it's like you're the kid at the funeral, you know what I mean? And Chris, but Chris, sure. but Chris treated it like that's what Dave would have wanted as opposed to that's all he could offer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's, that's how he tried to process it. But like, but so what I think of is Chris writing to Dave's dad six months down the road. Um, writing a long letter to him. And I remember asking him about that. And he was like, those are the moments when, when like people forget about the family. And he was like, I want to like recognize, uh, Dave's family that like, and, and let them know that I'm here. And so when he brought up like that, it hurts the longer it goes on. Like, I believe that with him. I believe that like, that was how he processed things. He couldn't process them right away. But as time went on, like, whether he showed it or not, I think that's when he started, he would feel things. Right, right. And you were at that, we met you guys at that restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah, that shitty, like, diner after standing outside uh, to go into the lake, right? Yeah. I think it was, like, a hot, it was, like, a hot summer day as well. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I don't remember what time of year. I remember we were all wearing uh, ties, I don't was Chris. Yeah. I don't know if Chris was wearing a tie though. I think Chris was wearing a sweater, and he made fun of me for wearing a tie. I think, <laughs> but um, but it's well. like it's just the I don't know the intensity of hearing about him talk about somebody else using recklessly, and then we just get into the drug talk too. I had been clean like yeah. I don't even know how long I had been clean when we did probably like a year and a half. And I could still access yeah. like using very easily, 
when we recorded. Yeah. And it's so not it's the show is so different, but um it's crazy. It's just crazy to hear him reflect on another person and then him to die in the same way. I know. I know. It really is. And I, can I say can I can I say something about like I don't know, just something that I've like really missed about Chris. Yes. There's a great there's yeah. a great is a great forum for that. Yeah. Um I don't know, I I I've found myself like as time like it's been for years and something that I like that I miss a lot about him is I don't know, it's kind of like how Dopey was formed. Like he he like represented like in my like circle of fucked up drug addicts and alcoholics that got their shit together. Like he represented my circle, like the unsalvageable type of addict, you know, like where his stories were just so beyond what I could have even imagined that like, I don't know. There was like, there was like a different level to the stuff that he experienced. And like, and there was like sometimes I was like intimidated by that and I got sober pretty young. Um, I have some pretty fucked up stories of my own, but like I didn't, I didn't drag it out the way he did. Um, and I don't know. So I like, I, I think of a lot of like, I, I talk to guys who are like struggling all the time, both like with work and outside of work. And, and like, he was always the like go to person where when I would like meet some guy who is just like, Nobody can fucking save me. I'm the biggest fuck up in the world. Like nothing you can say can change my mind. Like Chris was the guy that I was like, give give, uh, give this guy Chris a call and just have a conversation with him. And like that's what I miss so much about him because like he was able to like convey how fucked up his using was in such a, like a uh, relaxing, like calming way. <laughs> Not in like this like machismo like in a speaker way of just, but like this nonchalant, like, yeah, like I did this and this and this, and it was fucking crazy. And then also had the ability to like connect with somebody who also felt like nobody understood um, how fucked up their using history was. And I don't know. I just, I miss that. And like, I definitely have friends that, that have really fucked up stories. I mean, Dylan is sponsors, like had a crazy life in active addiction. Um, and he kind of has that same like aura about him of like using those stories to help other people. Um, so I don't know. I just, I miss that about him a lot. You know, I, I, I still have so much like weird. I have a lot of anger still around Chris's death. Like it just, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's weird. It comes and it goes. I was talking to somebody about it on the phone today where, uh, because it, he died right after Todd died. Like it just mm-hmm. pissed me off. You know what I mean? Like it just, I, I just could, I think I was overwhelmed with grief. And when Chris yeah. died, I was just like, I didn't know how else to deal with it except be angry at him for it. So like, yeah. it's just built in. But I'll tell you when you describe that and listening to him, cause I knew him really well and I knew him really well because we did this show every week and we talked about doing the show every day. And before that, he was the person that I talked to, like when I first got sober again, you know, like when I yeah. just started getting sober and I talked to him every day and, and I kind of could hear it in his voice, this laissez-faire shit that he didn't want to deal with Dave's death, 
You know what I mean? And like he could like zone out so easily and not take shit seriously. But the thing about Chris yeah. was just like you said, like when you had that addict that needed to be reached, you could give him his number. And it's like with me, like let's say he was a total fucking passive dick, like who would mock me or not pay attention to what I was talking about. As soon as it counted, he would show up every time. Yeah. As soon as I would, like, he, he could hear that I was in pain, he would turn it off. He would just be cool, mm -hmm. you know, and he would be there. And he, he was like, and that's how you, that was the true mark of his character. You know, like that if there was something really going down, he would rise to the occasion, you know, and that's yeah. real. That's just the truth, you know, and that's why he's yeah. so great. And that's why, like, when you listen to him, like, like, cause all these people, they don't know him and they all feel so drawn to him. It's because it's obvious that he was that kind of person. And I, I don't think, yeah. I don't think I've ever really said that on the show, but like he could be a little, he was like a little kid, like in so many ways until the stakes were high and he would step up and he always did. Yeah. He, I mean, he, yeah, he recognized, he could recognize people's pain. And I think that that's like the, that was his fatal flaw, flaw I believe with his inability to, like recognize his own pain and face that, but he had an uncanny ability to recognize other people's pain and know exactly what to say, whether it was like making fun of you in exactly the right moment right. or just sitting there and listening. Um, he just had that ability to just like pull you in and relate to you. It didn't matter if you were like, if you were like an 18 year old kid who had only been using for like two years, um, he never made you feel bad about like who you were and like how you got to where you were. You know what I mean? Yeah, he couldn't. I mean, but I think that's the best point is that he could recognize pain, uh, except his own. Like, I think that's yeah. really smart. Um, and the other thing, like <laughs> when he's talking about like what we could have done for Dave Marshall, right. That he could have called or, or whatever, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like we were calling Chris on a daily basis. You know, I, I was, I was communicating with him every second and there, and it just for me and you work in the field, right? I make this podcast, whatever. Um, what the fuck, as far as I can tell, you can't do anything. What can you do? Can you do anything or you can't do anything? No. I mean, unless you're, unless you're by somebody's side 24 hours a day, like, you know, you can't be, you can't be in treatment your entire life or in like a sober house your entire life with like oversight. You know what I mean? Like that's, and even then like people die in treatment and they die in sober living. Like there's no, like there's no clear cut answer to that. And like you can do all the right things and just be in a situation where something clicks, like all, everything lines up for you to like make that decision to use and like nothing can stop you stop that you know um you all you can do is do your best both for yourself and for the people that are around you um and like looking out for each other you know and that's that's all you can do totally and and let me ask you this before before we're done um you know you just said you you celebrated 10 years in may and i'm celebrating six years tomorrow and and chris uh if he had well you know 
if he hadn't relapsed, would be up to eight years. And that means mm-hmm. you've seen us all in our, you know, in our rises and falls and, and stumbles. How do you think mm-hmm. you've avoided all that? It's funny. I, I, with that guy who I was talking about, um, with like the overdose deaths, like talked about that and like the reality, like I could just be like, I did all the right thing, but the reality is like there were certain points in those past 10 years where it was just pure luck. There were, there were moments where I made the decision that I was going to drink or I was going to use and like somebody just walked through the door and was like, Hey, like, do you want to get food? Or like, Oh, I noticed you're upset. Like, let's do this. And just like knocked me off that path just enough where I was able to like gather my senses and come back. And it's like, I, I wish there's like some magical answer to that, but it was really in a lot of ways when I was experiencing a lot of pain while sober, um, it was really just like luck. Um, and I mean, you could call that a higher power or whatever you want, but like, um, and I, and I think, I think, I think there, the, the reasoning, like, I like to attribute that, that to like putting myself in right positions over like the long term to be like redirected during those times. Um, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, like, the, the, I vividly remember that I was like making plans to go and use um, back home. I was going to steal from family pharmacy. Um, hold up, hold up. Set that up, set that up for me more. Like what, where, yeah. how, how long were you in, in recovery at that point? Like, where were you at? What was happening then? And more importantly, I forgot to mention that Colin was like, you were raised in a family pharmacy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So my family back from my grandfather started pharmacy, um, business. So we had some pharmacies and like medical supply company, um, up in the Northeast. And like, that was kind of like. I don't know. I think it was more of a perceived feeling of like that was my destiny to be a pharmacist and, um, and do that. So yeah, that caused a lot of problems down the road for sure. Um, and I, I feel like I've told that, I feel like I've told that story here on here, uh, on yes, Dopey you did. Uh, in the past. But it was classic. Yeah. And the fact that you <laughs> from a family pharmacy and, and that it basically like, kicked your addiction into debilitating uh, existence. And now, rather than being a pharmacist, you help people get out of those situations. I think that's really interesting, actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, For sure. And that's, I mean, that kind of attributed uh, to the reason why I got sober so young. Um, Having that level of access was just like, you're either going to die or go to prison or figure something out. (laughs) So... So yeah, I was like, um, I was like a year sober or so. Um, and I remember, I remember I was living with Chris and I had like kind of like drifted away from like recovery related things. I was like working a a job, like had the apartment, um, and just started like going out with coworkers quite a bit, um, to bars and things like that. And like, I never like thought about drinking when I was there um but like at night when i'd like get in bed i would just like kind of obsess about like 
living a different life than the boring recovery life or how I perceive it to be a boring life. Like having a normal um, life, like a, like a guy your age or whatever, like that you yeah. work with or whatever. Did you ever use with Chris, now that I'm asking? I don't think I ever asked you that. No, never did. No. Of course um, not. But I, funny, I know that. Of course yeah. not. That's a stupid question. Yeah. Continue. But the funny thing was, so like I was like kind of drifting away, um, and like I was living with Chris and Ted at the time, and I remember I was like out until 3 in the morning, one night and then I like came home in the middle of the night and then like Chris like knocked on my door like he hadn't seen me in two weeks I'd just be like go to work and then disappear for the night and then he like cornered me (laughs) when I was on my way to the bathroom and he was just like what the fuck are you doing I'm like what do you mean he's like what were you doing last night I'm like and I like lied and I and he's like I know that's not what you're doing like like are you going out every single night like are you drinking and I was like no like and I started getting defensive and and he was just like in that like casual way that we talked about he's just like whatever man like do we, do what you want to do but it, it just looks bad <laughs> <laughs> and it like hit me and I I mean I cared about his opinion so much and like he never you know I mean he chose his spots very carefully. So the fact that he felt the need to say something to me was like, it was important. I mean, it was important to me. So that night I like ended up going to going back to a meeting. Um, I hadn't been to a meeting in like months and uh, I ended up like getting a new sponsor and I kind of like was like, all right, I'm going to like try to reconnect to this in some way. Um, so I started doing that and I got this like militant sponsor that I kind of wanted somebody like that to just call me out on my shit. Um, and he did, like I called him every single day. He'd pick up every single day. And so there's this like one day I was at, we didn't have laundry in the apartment. So it's at the laundromat. Yeah. And I was like doing an, an assignment, like an AA, like big book assignment, um, like reading stories or something like that in this laundromat. And there's this huge storm that's coming in and I see it and I'm like, I grab all my shit, I grab everything out of the dryer, throw it in my hamper and like run out to my car and it just starts downpouring. And I go back, I look in the hamper for a jacket that I washed. I knew it was going to be pouring when I got out of the car and I pulled the jacket and this like baggie of white powder just like flops <laughs> to the front seat as I pull my jacket like land on the ground at my feet well where did and it come from what was it it was so it was heroin <laughs> um i didn't know that because like as i told in my story before like i never did heroin i only did like pharmaceuticals because i didn't have to like i just like stole a ton of oxy so i never got into heroin ever just all always from the pharmacy so i thought it was coke and I had done coke quite a bit, and it, it was like one of those feeling, those feelings of like, like this euphoric feeling of like I was going to open that bag up and, and do it, and like I, I like felt it already in like my blood, um, and I started to get like sweaty, and like I opened it up, I like dumped it onto the like dashboard, and I was like smelling it, trying to figure it figure out like what I was going to do. And then like immediately the planning started, the planning started, like I was going to do some right then and there. Um, and then I was going to drive up 
to my hometown. I was going to do the rest at my grandpa's house who, where he, like, he wasn't living there. It was like a summer house. I was going to go up there and like do the rest of it. And then I was going to go down to the pharmacy and like grab some more stuff. Like it, it was just like that immediate like planning. Right. You could just like, connect like the dots every, immediately in your head. First, I'm going to go here. Every, then I'm going to have this ready. Then I'm going to get Chinese yeah. food. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It. And like, like, and I was like, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm just going to like spend the night doing it. And I'm going to come back and go to work. I'm going to like keep doing what I'm doing down here, but I'll have like a, a weekend getaway up there. Um, and I don't know, there's like, but it was like a combination of like, I was a few weeks into like jumping back into things and I was like calling my sponsor and like, so there's also like that element that was there a little bit. And then Chris's words too. And I was just like, fuck, like I need to slow it down a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like, I don't know what came over me. I was like, I'm going to call my sponsor. Um, (laughs) You've been told, you've been told a, a million times call your sponsor if you're going to use. And then you say, I don't know what came over me, but I called my sponsor. Like if it worked, yeah, it worked. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. But he didn't, he didn't answer Uh oh. the first time, the first time in two weeks, he didn't answer. And like then, and then all of a sudden, like is like the storyline continues. Like, okay, like that was, that's my out. Like I tried. I, could, I, I called him to blame it. Right. Yeah. I had somebody to blame it on. Like he didn't pick up. Like why didn't he pick up? It's his fault. It's God's will. You know? Yeah, and then, like, and then I started, like, planning more and more, and then, I don't know, again, like, the, like another wave of, like, is this the right thing, is this the right thing, and I, like, just decided to call Ted, because I told Ted I was going to call him to figure out food when I got back or whatever, and I just, like, called him, and he, <laughs> he picks up the phone, I, like, told him what happened, um, so basically the baggie came from the dryer, it was like left over from like somebody else. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah dude. So um, a heroin bag got in your pants randomly from the dryer? Yeah. That's the craziest like, thing I've ever heard in my life. It was like super damp and like, I don't know. It was, <laughs> How it was did you wild. find out? And How did you find out it was heroin? So <laughs> I call up Ted and, and Ted is like, listen to me. You throw that baggie out the window and you drive to the apartment and do not hang up the phone. So I throw it out the window. I drive to the apartment. I'm like freaking out. Um, I get inside the house and like Ted's like standing there and he, and the first words out of his mouth are, all right, I'm getting in the car with you. I'm like, why? He's like, you know exactly where you threw that baggie, don't you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Like, so when I threw it out, I like specifically threw it underneath a tree right? in, the, in like this bush just in case, you know, like I, I, I hit it just in case. And he knew because like he's done this a thousand times himself, you know what I mean? Like, and that's like part of the magic of this whole thing is like, he knows how my brain works. So he's like, we're going back there and we're dumping the baggie out. <laughs> so we had this like ceremonious, like pouring rain over a, a puddle outside of like a grocery store in a laundromat. And he like looks at it. He's like, "Yeah, dude, that's heroin." And then he just dumps it into the puddle. <laughs> that's awesome. That's an amazing yeah. story, really. That's an amazing story, and it's also just like it just shows the kind of person Ted is, and kind of the friendship that you guys had. It's like it's amazing. When when Chris, but it, like, what were you gonna say? Well, it, the, the, what I like to like point out is like it started with Chris. It started back like weeks before. Like if that conversation didn't happen. My brain was already in motion. It was already in motion for like 
making some decision that probably wouldn't turn out too well. You know, like because of that conversation, he kind of shifted the momentum of like that tr- inevitable train wreck to like doing something somewhat differently to prepare me for an event that I couldn't even imagine would happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. that's just where like we're talking about like luck and like putting yourself in the right situations and like it may not always work. You know what I mean? Like you could be in the best situation with the best people and the way life turns out like could throw you a curveball and you could end up using or drinking. You know, you just never know. But you all you can do is like the best you can um every day and like hopefully things work out for the best, you know. Well, I mean that story is it's unbelievable to me. I, I know that when I was out there or when I was using and when I wasn't I didn't like really, you know, have the psychic change until I got sober this time. Like I never really was in all in before this time. And I, in mm-hmm. fact, I was all the other way. Like if I found something, I would never not do it. And I would like tell myself I deserved it. Like it would be the opposite. You know what I mean? Like I would insist, like the thing inside of me would insist to myself to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Although after I got clean, I remember cleaning the house and finding all sorts of pills on top of my bookshelf. And I didn't even think about it. I just threw them all in the toilet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't even consider it, but I think we probably talked about it on the show, but I don't remember. Like when you lived with Chris, he relapsed when you guys were living together, right? Well, he, so he moved down to Brooklyn. Oh, that was where the relapse was. He started the relapse. Yeah. And then he made his way up to the Berkshires and then right. created more havoc up here. Right, right. <laughs> that 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 was my out of every relapse that Chris ever had, that Brooklyn was like my all time favorite. It was just yeah. it was just so pandemonium and, and ridiculousness. Yeah. So in yeah. honor of Christmas, some of the Dopey Nation faithful have sent in some messages. Would you like to hear some? Yeah, definitely. This first one is from the land down under in Australia. You ready? This guy's name is David Masculani, and he's like a big-time Dopey Nation guy. He's a wonderful man. You ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. Chris's death meant something to me, and it continues to be meaningful to me. I was introduced to the Dopey Podcast via the Share Podcast when Omar interviewed Chris and Dave back in July 2017. As soon as the interview was over, I checked out the debut podcast. I listened to the latest episode and then started to listen from the beginning. And then on the 24th of July, 2018, Chris died. What did his death mean to me? What does it continue to mean to me? He was intelligent, knowledgeable about addiction and recovery, funny, likable, a great storyteller, with remarkable stories to tell, charming, popular, the co-host of a podcast that was becoming more and more popular, and he was about to start a PhD program. His relapse and death is a reminder that anyone can relapse and die, and that means and continues to mean me. Dopey to me means connection, friendship, drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. It means tears of grief, pain, sorrow, and laughter. 
It means the podcast, the nation, the social media pages, the groups and the Zoom meetings. It means alt recovery, harm reduction, the 12 steps, abstinence and beefs. It means ice cream, tacos, butt plugs. It means cats and dogs and all sorts of pets. It means stick and cunts and dicks. The debaucherous, the glorious music, rap, ska, surf, punk. It means death and dying and the dead, the living, the survivors, the recovering and the recovered, the darkness and the light. And that's what she said. Happy Christmas in August. I should have started the fucking show with that. That was amazing. He's like a fucking poet. Yeah, that was beautiful. Can you believe, isn't isn't it crazy? I mean, like, it it just, I can't, it's like, I'm sitting here, like, dealing with, like, the the minutia of technology dragging files around the computer and on the phone with you, and it makes me think of Chris because he had to do all this stuff. And... Mm. And and I know that whenever we got an email from somebody out of the country, like Chris couldn't believe it. Like it, it lit him up. And uh, yeah. and then there's this group of people that's so affected by him. It just it's magnificent to me. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of like the times when I'd be hanging out with Chris, and the the guy had like full ADD. <laughs> so like I would be having like a serious conversation with him. He like dropped down to his phone and he would just completely tune out to whatever I was saying. And what he was doing is like reading the messages that like Dopey Nation would send. And like he like without fail would like he would respond to them. And he was just like so like tickled by the fact that people actually care about this like stupid podcast that you guys created however many years ago. And like that just like brought such a like brightness to him that you like you would drop everything just to like read those messages and i just thought like people should know that because that really meant the world to him when people would reach out i know he would have uh he would have really enjoyed i mean he he loved this ride you know what i mean like like he he loved the ride he loved uh it, it getting better he was he was all about it you want to hear another yeah. one this is a woman uh from connecticut her name is monique yeah Monique here. Happy Dopey Day. Uh, what does Dopey Day mean to me? Wow. So the very first episode I ever listened to was the one immediately following Chris's passing, the one with Annie. And I was like, woof, this is so raw. It's so courageous. I need to go back and listen. I need to find out more about this Chris guy. So I went back and, and fell in love with him, of course. Uh, there's a lot of myself that I see in Chris, actually. Um, and I host, uh, hosted, I just recently gave the meeting to Ethan, so shout out to Ethan. Um, this meeting on Dopey Zoom, where we take an old clip from Dopey and we listen to it and we use that as our topic for discussion. And in going back and listening to episode after episode after episode, I've noticed this recurring theme of Chris's, um, where he talks about, you just have to endure. Like in life, 
there's just no other way to get to the other side but to go through. And that has been extremely helpful for me in this past year. I, I have got out of this unhealthy and unfulfilling relationship with my son's father. And I owe a lot to, to that message of Chris's and, and to the strength of the people in, in Dopey Zoom. So Dopey Day for me is a celebration of Chris. Um, and on a personal level, a celebration of, um, of my own growth. So happy dirt, happy derby day. Stay strong and fucking toodles for Chris. Well, that was joyful, right? Yeah, man. So like, I don't know. It's like so powerful to like hear how like this thing that you guys have done has like impacted so many people. And like, I felt that way jumping on like the dopey zoom calls over the like lockdown where it's just like incredible to see like the reach that this is like gone to so many different people like all over the world and all different like levels of recovery and active addiction like it doesn't even fucking matter you know this girl i think it's so funny like this girl started the original meeting that she started was like to take quotes from chris because she loved chris how about that do you know how many of the women in the dopey nation just were in love with chris Oh, that's great. He, I mean, like, that was the funniest thing. I remember, like, he was dating uh, Olya, or Ol- whatever mm. her name was, right? And yeah. and uh, And someone in the Dopey Nation reached out to him, right? So he went on a date with this woman in the Dopey Nation <laughs> to make Olya jealous. And it, and it, oh and it, and it didn't work. Um <laughs> But like, I think I, I I was always jealous of how much everyone was in love with Chris. But it's so it's I'm still a little bit jealous. But it's very beautiful, and uh, and I know that it was good for his brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Annie's doing well, by the way. Have you spoken to her? I just spoke to her. I haven't in a while, but I I seen that she's like doing really well, and it makes me really happy. Yeah, she's like married and lives in the Bronx and is about to be a, a real full fledged surgeon. And um Yeah. So if anyone in the Dopey Nation was interested, uh Annie is doing well. And I wanna take a page from uh Monique's book and play a bunch of Chris. You wanna hear a bit of Chris? Yeah, let's hear it. This is uh Sam, Dopey producer Sam has selected this long clip saying this is some classic dopey. So are you ready, Colin? Yeah. All right, cool. Now, before before I play it, like this this bit has it all, right, by the way, the beginning. This was all around uh, 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 Chris dating Olya, and he went mm. on the show and, and, and told a, about a sexual thing that happened with him and Olya, and then he sent her the fucking podcast in his mind oh. to, to impress her. Oh my God. And it was very personal, right? And she was yeah, just yeah. disgusted by him. And, uh, oh, no. and he took it down. And that, that's what we're about to talk about, okay? Okay. Okay. I want you to talk about what happened to that episode. What episode? The episode that's gone now. Oh, well, I can't. I can't go too into it. Why? Because uh, I told the person I wouldn't, and I want to stand by my word. Oh, you wouldn't? But you don't... 
Oh, man. I didn't tell her. I, she didn't really care that much, but I just was like, as a matter... Uh, I'll give the broad strokes. I shared on an episode, some of you might have had the... A very risque episode. Yeah, the luxury of hearing it. It was episode 57, I think. Maybe. And I shared some stuff that happened on a date with a woman. Very sexy, sexy stuff. Or not that sexy. It was very sexy And uh, basically, um, I'm an idiot and I shouldn't have said this stuff. And that's all you're going to get out of me. But then he went back and he erased half of it. Yeah. And now that episode's gone. But I put this great intro, you know. <laughs> you should play the intro now. <laughs> should I? It's so bad. It'll be very meta-dopey. It's very, very, very bad. Okay, this is the intro that I created for the podcast that I deleted. It's so bad. All right, it's ringing. Let me move this up a little bit. <laughs> the yoga incredibly what are you doing? Do you think that's my band? Hello. And welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, this and dumb great. shit. Chris here. Speaking of dumb shit, yours truly did something incredibly moronic and said some stuff on this episode that came from a place of poor judgment, so it had to be edited for content. I apologize, Dopey Nation, for the truncated version. Truncated. Edited for right content. <laughs> truncated. Give it to me straight, Chris. What? You didn't like that? No. <laughs> Edited, what does that mean, edited for content? It means I put shit in there that couldn't be in there. Okay, let me ask you another question. If something isn't edited for content, what's it edited for? Um, maybe there's, uh, like... Hmm, that's a good one. I have an answer. <laughs> maybe, it's edited for time. For time, It's okay, edited yeah. for time as opposed to content. Yeah, so this one's edited for content. Isn't that a crazy story, though, that connects the birth of my child to Todd's bust? I've never made that connection until That's, this Oh, you just did? Yeah. That is pretty wild. Oh, so I have some notes. Should I get my notes? Might as well. Oh, where's my phone, dude? It's in your hand, you dumb <laughs> fuck. Are you kidding me? Uh, I swear to God, I was looking. Uh, what just fell so- out of your nose? It's <laughs> <laughs> not. Uh, so, Dopey Nation, I was just rolling around on the bed looking for my phone, and it was in my hand. It was what I just used to play that intro. This episode You're amazing. sucks. All right, so... You're amazing. My notes. Do you think this episode sucks? I don't know. Is that where you want to go with this? Um, so... Oh, hidden drugs. Okay, so we had somebody email us and ask us, have we ever hidden drugs anywhere um, and forgotten about them? Or what are the weird spots we've hidden them and stuff? So that's something we can talk about. And then I have another one here that's just I want to mention real quickly that I've never talked about. Um, super dumb story. It's called, it's just, my note is bowls of water. So I was at this one rehab, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, it was like an inpatient and it was in Tustin in Orange County, right? It's called Cornerstone. And I went to a, I went to a treatment center called Cornerstone. There's a ton of Cornerstone. It was in Rhinebeck, New York. Yeah, there's a shitload of It was a real garbage dump. Was it? Yeah. This one was decent. Um, so anyways, I had a girlfriend that was living a few towns away and this was, you know, you go to group all day and, like, shuffling around and, like, that's the deal. Well, <clears throat> there was a house. Basically, there's, like, all these little different houses in this cul-de-sac. And you have a house manager. And, like, they come in and look in sometimes. Well, the house manager was gone for, like, three weeks. So they just had a house manager from another house come by at night. And he'd just do bed checks every once in a while. So it was, like, much more kind of lax because this guy was gone. So every night I'd have my girlfriend wait at the end of the street 
and I'd make up my bed to look like somebody was in it. I'd put like pillows and blankets over it so that way when he opened it, he'd see like a lump, you know? And then I'd sneak out and I'd go hang out with my girlfriend the entire night, get drunk. Usually just I'd drink like steel reserves back then. I'd have like four 24 ounce steel reserves. I wouldn't get trashed, but I'd get pretty drunk. And then I'd come home, I'd come back to the place, sleep for like an hour, and then go to groups the next day, right? So uh, sometimes when we were doing this, I'd, always, I'd bring back like one steel reserve and have it in bed, you know, with me, and I'd drink it at like 3 a.m. What is this? Is that a beer? It's, a, it's malt liquor, so it's like high, it's like 8.1% alcohol, so it's a little bit stronger than regular beer. So anyways, uh, I'd bring back a steel reserve with me and drink it in bed before I went to sleep. Well, I liked my steel reserves cold, so I'd get a bowl, and I'd fill it up with ice, and I'd put the steel reserve in the bowl of ice under my bed, and then when I was, like, ready for it, I would drink it. Well, each night, I would get a new bowl and fill it with ice from the kitchen, right? And so I'd been doing this for, like, weeks, and... Something happened. I got like how a, big a bowl? They had like there's like a big it's like a big <coughs> regular kitchen. They're all different size bowls too. I was like getting these salad bowls, like mixing bowls, like doing like any. How any, many bowls can you fit under a twin? It bed? was a rehab for yeah. So there was probably like eight or nine under there. Right? So it was for a week. Yeah, I've been doing it. There's like eight or nine total. Over, the wait, the over story weeks. you're telling me is several weeks. We're talking about thirty. Yeah, but it wasn't bowls. no, but it wasn't every single night I was doing this. I didn't sneak out every night. I sneak out like every couple nights. Okay. You know? So uh, and I have the bowl of ice, and so I got in trouble, and they were like searching my room, or my roommate got in trouble, or something. And they were like grooming through my room, and they look under my bed, and they find like eight or nine bowls <laughs> full of fucking water, and I am like pretty good at lying on the spot, and they were like. They, like, pull them out. They're like, what are these? And I just had nothing. Like, <laughs> urine. Yeah, I didn't know what to say. I drink a lot of they water, like, so my urine is mostly water. They're like, why do you have bowls of water under your bed? I was like, ah, just, I, I don't know. I rinsed They my were there before. <laughs> you just said, I don't know. I, I think I just said, I don't know, yeah. I mean, does that work? I don't know. It wasn't even retelling it. It wasn't that funny. But I remember in the moment, I was just like, I had nothing. I should have said, like, I was putting my foot in the ice. So I just had nothing. Urine. Yeah, urine. <laughs> it's my urine. It's pee. I didn't like to get out of bed, so I would pee in bowls, put them <laughs> under the bed. But, um, but, you see, this is interesting to me. Because if I ever got caught in a lie, I would cop to it. So fast. Like, I would never consider saying, I don't know. Do you know what happened to me? There's a reason why. I used to be like you. When I was 15, I went to sailing camp in the Caribbean. Okay. All right? Uh, And I got drunk at sailing camp. Okay. Um, And uh, I bought a bunch of booze. You don't have to be any age to buy down there. I drank, and it was like, there's like 13 boats with like 10 people on it each. It was called Action Quest, the place. And so I got drunk and everybody in the camp, all of the other campers knew I was drunk and everyone was pretty young. So it was like kind of taboo, you know, or like whatever. Like, and so this guy, his name was Sharky and he was our counselor on our boat. He, he's like, Chris, come with me. And he takes me in this little dinghy, you know, off the side of the boat and we go drive around. I'm like, it's kind of weird. And he's like, Chris, I have to ask you a question. He said, have you been drinking? Right. And you know what I said? I said, yes, I've been drinking. And he told the head of the camp, and they kicked me out of the camp. I had to go, they took me to the airport, and I had to go fly home early. And I remember my parents weren't that mad, because the head of the camp said, had I lied, I wouldn't have had to go home, because they had no proof other than that people were talking about me drinking. 
And after that moment, I was like, I am never going to cop to anything ever again in my life. It's a good age to learn that lesson. I always loved the bull story. <laughs> I, I love the bull story. Do you remember yeah. that story? Did he ever tell you that story off of Dopey? Um, I don't remember if he did. It's a funny story, though. Imagining Chris like, I don't know why all these bulls are under the bed. And also how institutionalized Chris was. That's the picture in my head more than anything is him in the kitchen with the bowl of ice, you know, getting ready for the night or whatever. Like, he, he probably was so at home in rehab kitchens, like... The most at home. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, I, when you talk about that, I just think about how he never slept under the covers. Like the most institutionalized move ever. Like he was just always ready to be on the go. And the bed, bed was perfectly, perfectly, perfectly made. made. Yes. I slept on top of the covers. <laughs> the other thing is with Chris, one, one memory that I never can let go of is like at Mountainside, I, I remember like he was rarely at meals, but if you went to the dining room in between meals, he'd be sitting there like by himself with cereal, like in his sweatpants <laughs> and his white T-shirt, just like he was at home. That's when he ate, you know what I mean? In between. <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. It's, um, yeah. it's weird. It's, it's whenever these kind of anniversary shows roll around, it... um. It's weird. It always it always affects me. You know, um, there's a, a new podcast out that uh, a friend of mine, uh, this guy AJ Delario, did called Really Good Shares, and he, he he has me tell the story where I dress up as Big Bird. But before I tell the story, we start talking about Chris, and I was listening, and he played a bit of the episode, uh, the episode after Chris died, and I was on the train going home, and I listened to it, and. Like, it just makes me fucking cry. You know, I don't listen to it often. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I listen to it and it just like, so it's just crazy. I mean, that's trauma, right? Isn't, isn't this trauma? Yeah, it it could be. It could be a version of trauma and just like, I don't know. I, I think about how little I've listened to Chris, the episode that, the episodes that Chris is in, um, and like this is probably the most I've listened to Chris talk in in many years, and I think it just like accesses a piece that like I don't know I maybe have been avoiding in a lot of ways, you know, of like really like jumping back into those memories of like him being alive, and it's not always easy to do, and um, I don't know that can like stir up a lot of feelings for sure. It's weird because it like it takes you back instantly to when you could talk to Chris whenever you wanted and when you did, mm -hmm. you know, and, yeah. um, and the, the upside, it's like, I, I say this all the time, but the coolest thing is that if you listen to dopey between episode one and episode 142, Chris will always be alive there, you know, mm -hmm. in, in, in his yeah. present, it, it's just, it's just never going to change. You know what I mean? It's like me watching The Sopranos over and over again. Silvio's never going to do anything different. Tony's never going to do anything different. And uh, it, it's, you know, I, I'm trying to watch The Sopranos again. I can't do it. I think I'm done. I think it's over for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like not that many people get to experience a loved one on that level of like just having 142 episodes of of somebody just talking and like 
and telling stories and laughing and like we most people just have memories of that and like they have to hold on to those memories and like kind of crazy that there's just an archive of like Chris stories and Chris laughing Chris like upset and angry and like you can just click an app and like dive right back into those memories it is weird. It's a crazy experience, yeah. It's funny. We went we went on vacation last week, and my dad is dating this woman, and uh, and she always defends him to me because she thinks I'm too mean to him on the show, and um, and I was like, no, he likes it, and we laughed about it, and then she said to me, I don't know what she said, but she said how my kids are going to listen to the show, and I said, no, they won't. You know, my, my kids hear enough from me. They're not going to listen to the show. But in reality, it's like they, they they could listen to all this stuff, and it's all there. It's just weird. It's a weird thing, right, in that way. Or that, like, when I die, all this shit is going to be there. And, and obviously Chris died, and, and we we can go back to it. But you're right. It's, it's, a, it's, it's weird, right? It's weird. It is, but it's, I don't know. There's something, like special about that and like it's just him unfiltered and like i don't know it's like weird thing when you talk about like our kids are going to listen to it like what are we trying like what are we trying to portray exactly this like ideal like this ideal memory of like who we are we're like right we're i mean and specifically with like people in recovery and like we have we've experienced a lot of fucked up things and like why do we need to like protect our children from talking about those things and um, I don't know. I just I think about that a lot too. That's or like true. how I'm going to let, how I'm going to like explain my life to my kids and like do I really need to put a filter on that? Like obviously there's like certain things that that I will probably tell a little differently, but like there what's the point of like completely censoring out my life? Um it can be it can be impactful in a positive way for sure if we use it right. I think it's very much age dependent. You know what I'm saying? Like, like my yeah, older totally. kid, my older kid, I tell more about. Like, we we were boating, right? And uh, we were we were on the lake, and there was a guy on the lake who who is a musician, and he played a concert, and the and the attendants of the attendees of the concert were all in boats, right? It was cool, but uh, but there were like these big party boats, and they were smoking a ton of of weed. And my daughter now knows what weed smells like. And uh, yeah. she's like, oh, they're smoking weed. And that's just a weird thing. You know, it's like a weird, conflicted place for me. Like, I don't know. I just say, yup. You know what I mean? And like, and, and in my head, there's a million things going on in my head, but I just say, yup. You know, and, and one day, I mean, I've told her little bits about what happened to me, but I haven't like gotten into substances and how many times I've tried to get well and how many years I floundered and all the fucked up shit that happened. But maybe one day she will listen to dopey and be like, Oh, I remember the time that daddy like went to detox and was on Suboxone, but did heroin anyway. (laughs) When that, when that crazy uh, guy came in with the good tar, like she tells my, my other daughter, Susan, remember when daddy uh, had the seizure and Todd called the fucking whatever. It's like, yeah, exactly. But it's but I, I mean I think the value is that this show does capture life. You want to hear some more? Yeah. Do you want to hear some more from the Dopey Nation? Yeah. Okay, I've got a couple more from the Dopey Nation. 
Hey everybody, it's Katie B. Um, grateful member of Dopey Nation. The question is, what did Chris mean to me? Gosh, how do you even encapsulate what somebody you never met meant to you? It's kind of crazy, really. Um, but ultimately, uh, I felt like... Uh, I felt like Chris and I would have laughed hysterically together. And I felt like Chris understood so much of how I used. And I respected the hell out of him uh, for, you know, working on becoming the man that he was trying to become. He'll be forever missed uh, and honored in this family. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Fucking toodles for Chris. What's up, Dopey Nation? What's up, Dave? This is Scott Wick. I miss Chris, man. I actually emailed the show a long-ass time ago, and uh, Chris responded right away. You know, we had a little back and forth, and he actually ended up reading the email on the show, and I was like, wow, I was super starstruck. You know, and you guys just made recovery seem cool. You know, Dopey brings swag to recovery. You know, and that was like my little introduction and, you know, after thinking about it, that was like the first time that I actually had a conversation with another person in recovery. You know, without Dopey, I don't think I'd be clean today, man. So, Dave, thank you for keeping the show going. Dopey Nation, I love y'all. Toodles for Chris. Hey, Dopey Nation, this is Jeremy Turner, a.k.a. Whitey Tidies. Uh Just want to say a few things about this Chris Miss, man. I know, I know I miss Chris. I never met him, but I feel like I knew him. And I feel like if we ever... Got to meet, we would have really enjoyed each other's stories. And I uh, just want to say how much the Dopey Nation means to me, how much Dave's friendship means to me. And um, stay strong, Dopey Nation. If you're struggling, reach out. Um, there's a lot of good people in the Dopey Nation willing to stop what they're doing and listen and sometimes give advice. Love you all. And Toodles for Chris. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. So that's a little smattering of people. Now, what do you think about my my incessant need to do these tribute shows to Chris? I was talking to my girlfriend about this, like what like Chris would think of our conversations about you wanting to make like Dopey as big as possible, and like I don't know, I just think he would get a kick out of it, a kick out of the whole thing of like people still like calling in. Uh, you still like slaving away trying to figure out the equipment and trying to figure out like how to like like broaden the horizons of Dopey and like I don't know I I think there's something to like bringing him into the fold like every year and and commemorating like the fact that he he started this on like you guys both started this and shitty equipment like not knowing what the fuck you were doing just telling the same stories that you told on the porch and rehab you know that's pretty cool and what about you? Like, like you never expected to have the career you had, you know, you've had. Like, you're like fucking, how long have you been doing this job? Um, Probably seven years. Would it, do you that. think, I mean, we met like, like 11 years ago or whatever, 10 years ago. And, um, 10 years ago. And. Yeah. You didn't have a clue that you wanted to work with drug addicts and help them get better. Like, how did that happen, and how do you feel about it now? I mean, I went back to pharmacy school sober. <laughs> like, I still was trying to keep that dream alive. 
Um, and I don't know. I like realized that I was like living off of like dead dreams, like childhood, like expectations and things like that. And like, um, I don't know. I, I wasn't never expecting, expected my life to be like surrounded by, um, helping other people, listening to other people, um, using like my stories to, to like help people find the right path, whatever recovery looks like to them. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing. Cause you don't like, I don't know. I never like planned anything and I never like had these like five year goals or like check marks of like, this is what where I need to be at this point. And it just kind of happened. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the same with Dopey. You guys like didn't know what, what this is going to be. You just want to tell stories and like hang out with each other. And it turned into what it is now. And that's kind of like how life goes, I guess. Right. You don't know what the fuck is coming and then it just sort of does. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it should be. Like it's life's a lot harder when you have a life filled with expectations of what you should be doing and where you, where you should be. And, um, makes it a little easier when you go with the flow. No, I get it. And I really do appreciate you coming down, uh, or at least coming down on the phone. (laughs) I think that's great. (laughs) I love the story of you finding dope from somebody else's pants. I think that's insanity. (laughs) And, um, and you are a part of this thing, you know, and I know that you know that, like when you see dopey pop up, you know that you're a part of it. And, uh, and when dopey's bigger than Joe Rogan, you'll be like, I remember when it wasn't. Um, exactly. (laughs) But that'll be that. And I think Chris would appreciate it. Here, I got this. You know, we've sent a bunch of people to free treatment. I got I got this note from somebody, right? Uh, and they mm-hmm. wrote, hey, I was a recipient of the Toodles for Chris scholarship in May of this year. I came out of rehab strong, grateful, and loving life. I did 31 days inpatient and then went to sober living. I left sober living just five weeks, just after five weeks, and that was probably a big mistake. I found an ad on Craigslist where I would be able to have my dog. Bad move. Thought it was a man and his sister, but sister never came back around and he was into drinking and drugs. Not my kind of drugs, but no less it threw me off my game. I stopped going to meetings because I allowed him to control me. I stopped listening to Dopey because he didn't care for it. Who's that guy? Anyway, things got bad quick. In just six weeks, I'm leaving the house and this man this weekend and I can't wait. Hold on. Uh, Things got bad quick in just six weeks. I'm leaving this house and this man this weekend, and I can't wait to get back to my recovery friends and my routines. I was so very grateful for the chance to go to rehab for 30 days. I didn't intend to throw it away or disrespect the show or disrespect Chris's memory. I'm back on track and more grateful and happy than ever. Please forgive me, Justin, Dopey Production, Dave, Chris, and Dopey Nation. I love you all. I have no doubt you saved my life in the nick of time. I was out of control and going to die. I reached to dopey for help and the podcast delivered in a big way i have missed you dopey nation uh the last few weeks i can't do it without you i'll do anything for the podcast someone just tell me how i can give back toodles for now love sarah isn't that a beautiful note colin yeah it is it is it's just like another another like point that like the the reach of this thing is just massive of like being able to help people and like I just I want to like I want to say this piece too like for everybody out there who like listens to this podcast and it just like sees the amount of people 
um, people's lives that it's like touched and like um, affected like that is that can happen like you get into this world this this recovery world like that can happen personally to you you just may not see it you know like it's everything's everything's on the air here so you can see but you can post the the recordings of people reaching out and talking about how like dopey like help their their recovery save their lives all this stuff but, like that kind of stuff like on a personal level like I'll never be able to like talk to the people that like changed my life, like, and let them know how much they changed my life, even like a span of five minutes, like just like giving me the time of day. And like that, that is something that's like amazing about this, this whole like, process is like, you can have an effect on thousands of people's lives and not even fully know it. You may know like the inner circle of people that you're close with, but like any interaction, any positive interaction, and like showing the change, like from the fuck up stories that we that we tell to like where we are now, like those telling of stories and like showing that metamorphosis, like that can have a huge effect on the world, a huge effect on thousands of people, and we just don't see it. And it's easy to feel like isolated and alone when you don't see it. But like, I just want everybody to know, like that even like the smallest actions towards like listening to somebody, picking up the phone showing up in a meeting, whatever it is, you know, like that you can have the same impact that Dopey's had on all the people that have listened to this over the years. Right. And even more so, I mean, like, do you know how many people just, just get so much out of one person reaching out to another, you know, and it's, it's like the NA preamble where they say the, you know, that the one addict reaching out to another, whatever is unparalleled. And, and that's, and that's true. Like what you're saying is true. Like who, I mean, like I'm, I, I don't like, Grandi, what is it? Aggrandizing dopey, even though it seems like it is with all these fucking voicemails. I just want, I want to elevate Chris, and I want to like, I want to like, I like making the show, you know. But it's not. I don't think that the show is the savior of the fucking universe. I think that we can look out for each other, like you're saying, and that's more important. Yeah. Totally. I also, I also think the show is the savior of the universe. Drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> drink the Kool Aid, Colin. One yeah, of us. I mean, you can believe two things at once. <laughs> no, I, 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 I feel like I get lost in these episodes. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I, I get uncomfortable in the tribute style, but I'm also very proud. It, it's like a mixed bag, but I'm sure that makes sense. Well, I'm definitely proud of you, man. For I, sure. I'm proud of. I'm more proud of you. I'm more proud of you. <laughs> I mean, dude, you're fucking getting it done. Ten years. You, you you practice acceptance. You've always been a ray of sunshine. Um, before we go, we got to play B. Getz, our our, our, our our cannabis grower from uh, the Northern California. We got to hear B. Getz before we go. You ready? All right, let's hear it. All right. Greetings, Dopey Nation. This is your boy, B. Getz, coming to you live and direct from the Ganja Farms of Northern California. Want to wish all the Dopey Nation a very happy and healthy Dopey Day. Hard to believe it's been three years since Chris left this earthly plane. He gave us so much in the short time he was here and the even shorter time he was in our lives. But he remains omnipresent in one way or another for all of us. I'm supposed to keep this under a minute, so I'll just say that what Chris's passing did for me was reveal the importance of authentic friendship in our lives. 
and how essential it is to maintain those friendships, those connections, however we can. Never more so than in these confounding times with the pandemic and the division and all that stuff. So thank you, Chris. We miss you so. Thanks, Dave. You're a trooper. Goodbye, job less. Stay strong, dopey nation. Minase toodles. And there you have it. That's B Gets from the Up for Life podcast. Colin has yeah, a man. What do you think? You think it's too much, or you enjoyed you enjoyed this Christmas this year? I I needed this, man. I, it's been a lot of like I don't know. I like hearing him talk, and then hearing everybody talk about him. It's like healing in a way. Like need to need to hear that. That 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 guy you just spoke to. Like that one really hit home. Nice. The, sure. the importance of friendship. And what Chris always said was that Great Barrington was the source and it was a place where he was able to keep his brain about him and, and, and keep his recovery, you know, green, you know, and it was it was mostly probably because of you guys, you know, that he had accountability and he had friendship and he had trust and you're still there. And I don't think that's yeah. like a, a mystery. Yeah, man, we're still cultivating that source, still uh, keeping it alive up here. Well, I'm 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 very proud of you, and I'm very very happy and grateful that you came on for the Christmas episode, Colin. You delivered. You delivered the goods, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Right on. All right, Toodles, Dopey Nation. I love you, Chris. I love you, Dave. I love you, Colin. Until next time. Until next time. Until next should, time. You should call me off the show. You fuck. Why don't you give me a call in, in regular life? <laughs> yeah, I will. All right, good. All right. Talk soon. I love having Colin on the show. Um, I love having any of the old-timey, dopey people on the show. It brings uh, joy to me to hear how good he's doing, and I love to hear him talk about Chris. It just it, it brings, you know, it makes Chris alive, even if it's just for a few minutes, which is a, a beautiful feeling for us to have. And now, before we go, it is my six-year anniversary today of mind and mood-altering substances so i invited my dear friend aurora on to say how great she thinks i am so here she is the great aurora we're at the end of the show you've missed a lot of you know it's dopey day you know so happy dopey day to you aurora thank you today is not dopey day today is my sixth anniversary which is why i had my dear friend aurora back on the show Hey, hey, Dopey Nation. What up, Dave? (laughs) What up, Rora? What's happening? (laughs) What up? I'm insane. No, you're supposed to. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. Can you believe it's been six years? Think about, imagine six years ago, right now. What would we have been doing? Mm, We probably would have been getting a coffee, maybe a juice, getting ready to get high. That's right. Right? And yeah, isn't it crazy? Sit on your balcony. Sit yep. on your balcony, you would have, you would still be smoking cigarettes too. So would you? Weren't you smoking cigarettes at that point? No, you were vaping. I don't I, I don't know. I, I can't. I kind of blacked it all out. Like I'm in. Like I can't even remember how many years I haven't smoked now. I do remember we would take the cor- the half chicken and put it in the iron skillet to sear it and then put it in the oven. Yum. 
you remember those days? Still a good move. Still a good move six years later. I haven't done it since then. Really? Really. I've done it. All right. So I've done it. Now, 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 bask in my six years. Aren't you so impressed? I am so impressed. And it, may, and it like, this morning I was like, ooh, and my six years is coming up. Dave's got six years. I'm right around the corner. So you can't just bask in my adulation. You have to bring your six years into it right away. No, I'm I'm really coming from a, a point of self-centered fear. That's my baseline. <laughs> yeah. So what's going on? As you, as I mean, I know that I feel like you know how I love my birthday, like because I like it being all about me. Um, yeah. I, I think I feel kind of similarly with my anniversary. Um, totally. And I enjoy Are you that. Speak somewhere. No. Are you speaking at all? No, no. Just here. Just on Dopey. Nice. Do you want me to give you're you my? A lot of, you're getting a lot of love today. I saw on on social media. I saw on the gram, Dave. You're getting a lot of love. Well, that's good. But let me, Aurora. Let's pretend, right? Let's pretend uh, it's a meeting, right? And I've asked you to speak for my six-year anniversary. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Go. Um, ooh, okay. Go for it. Yeah. Now. Dave, oh, yes. happy happy birthday, Dave! Six years. Listen, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We're, I'm in New York. We say anniversary. We won't say happy birthday here. Keep going. Happy happy anniversary, Dave! Six years. Um, you know, I, you're the one who suggested that I get sober. It, it was not until someone suggested to me that uh, that this could be another way to live that I think about sobriety, and it was only. When you were completely insane, insane, thought you were going to have to be uh, hospitalized, that I saw you restored to sanity by doing the 12 steps. And so you were the power of example. And you still are. Um, and I love you. And I'm really proud of you. I love you, Aurora. Thank you. And, um, yeah, and I just, like, I also, I'm just, like, not only so proud of your sobriety, but also just, like, you're doing what you love with Dopey created uh, a real community and, uh, you know, something that, uh, a connection that uh, people around the world have, you know? Isn't that and, funny? Uh, Isn't it crazy? Aren't you blown away by that? I'm blown away. I mean, I'm not blown away because you're a very special human being um, and you are always meant for, you know, important big things. Uh, you know, even like, I don't mean like, world fame or, or like I just mean like on a real like almost spiritual level like you just like you have these connections with people um you're such a special person so I'm glad that all right know, enough 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 with the enough with the bathing ah, and adulation too much it's way too much <laughs> let's, let's dial it down uh, what's going on with you let's go to you uh I am insane I'm in crisis mode uh because of this really crazy job I'm, I'm on right now. I finished in three weeks, but I've been working on this TV show since April, and we are in post-production, delivering our episodes, and for the last, I would say, like, eight weeks, I've just been working, you know, 8 a.m. till 8, 9 p.m. Or, or later every day, and, woo, it's just been... It's been such a great opportunity, but it's, you know, it's been uh, challenging. Like, it's been really challenging, like, physically being at a desk all day, like, 
just the stress level, uh, not getting to like, you know, go to regular meetings or move around. Um, you know, it's pretty crazy, you know, not being able to cook or like take care of yourself properly. So, yeah. Well, when's the last time, when's the last time do you think that you've, you've, uh, I mean, obviously in small ways every day you do shit for your recovery, but like, do you feel totally separated from your recovery or is your recovery part of the day or how do you feel? Or or, do you ever think about using, I didn't even tell you we went on vacation, right? And we went, uh, we went upstate and we went to Bennington and they have fucking bud at the farmer's market. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Nuggets at the farmer's market. Wow. Have you dealt with anything like that? Oh, my God. Don't you think about those little girls that you have? Like, oh, God. I I was walking with Nora, right? We're walking down the path, and we're in the farmer's market, and we're looking at, like, paintings and shit and flowers. And then I see these two girls who are, like, preppy hippie girls, like young girls. They're, like, hippie girls who look preppy that day. And... They're like, uh, and, and, and they have a jar full of nuggets on a table. And like, and then it says like cannabis, flour, brownie, cookie. And I'm like, holy shit, they have bud. And they see me looking at them, right? And they see me like I'm about to say something to them, but I have Nora. And I don't want to tell Nora what they're doing, you know? Yeah. No, no. So I don't say anything. I mean. I just kept it to myself. Did you give him a, a wink? Did you give him a wink? No, I didn't <laughs> give him a wink. What would that be if I gave them a wink? What would that be? Like, I, I used to be down. I'm not down anymore. I don't think they would get that. I think they would get like, oh, that's a creepy old man winking at us. Do you think they, they would get... me to you. Yeah, they would me to me. Um, <laughs> have you dealt with... You know, I have to say, like, in this job, like, I, you know, the, um, you know... The person, uh, some of the people that I work with, like, you know, it's been so fucking stressful. And, like, sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I, I like, you know, I I had a major anxiety attack last night with the Ativan. You know, I, I have to get through it. Like, I had a lot of fear and panic and been very overwhelmed and lost sleep. But I can't, like, there, there's no escape from me other than, like, you know, calling another alcoholic, taking a walk, uh, praying, you know, like I don't get to alter my mood or meditate. Can I ask I you, can I ask you a really feel. controversial question? Ooh, okay. You know how like all these people, like the, the alt recovery, uh, world, you know, you know, they're smoking, bud and they're in recovery or they have right. panic, uh, disorder and they're taking, <laughs> Xanax or Clonopin or the delightful Ativan. Uh, an Ativan just Ativan. makes me think of like <laughs> like a fruit punch on a beach. Like just the great, I mean like my brain, I think I probably have some kind of, right? Don't I have some kind of panic disorder probably? I'm in a constant state of panic. Yeah. So me like, too. so why, like why don't, why don't you subscribe to that thing? Or is that too controversial a question? That's a very controversial um, question. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I definitely think like people, I, you know, my friend asked me yesterday, like, is there any point that you would like medicate? And I, I said, you know, if I felt like you I don't keep really saying have to medicate, but it sounds like meditate. You're saying medicate. 
yeah, Medicaid. Okay. I mean, I don't really suffer from depression. I suffer from, you know, panic and anxiety. And if it got so bad that I really couldn't hold down a job, I would see someone and, and consider medication if I could not, like, hold down a job, you know? Right. But, um, right. but otherwise, uh, no, I don't consider it. Right. So that's really the answer. It's, but, a, it's a great answer to the question. Like, if you felt like you profoundly needed you know, weed medicinally or uh, benzodiazepines uh, medicinally or you needed to microdose ayahuasca to keep your side of the street clean, then you would do it. Yes. No, but I would never take ayahuasca. What about microdosing not, it medicinally? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Native American. What about, um, what, about, what about if you're on a resort, right, and... Have you watched Have you watched White Lotus on uh, HBO? No, is it good? Oh my God, yes, it's good. <laughs> you gotta watch it. Yes, I think you'll love it. All right, Linda just brought it up with me. We're gonna watch it. That's what we're gonna watch. Yeah, you gotta watch it. Listen, I gotta go. I'm I'm filming some pickups this morning, and um, I'm here. I've arrived. <laughs> no, not in the spiritual way. Well, oh my God! It was a pleasure to have you back on the shore. On the shore. On the show. I'm sure the Dopey Nation missed you and i appreciate you basking in my six years it was amazing a little too much adulation actually because i can't really handle that much adulation but we will end this show with you and uh we'll say stay i have more to say too i have more to tell you i had like a mini spiritual experience last night tell me what wait, wait, before just, you like, go I'm... wait hold on before you go let me hear about the mini spiritual experience um well yesterday like we worked like 12 straight hours and I like, I didn't leave the apartment at all. I never even got up from the desk. And then I was like, you know, ready to kill myself. And, uh, I went, uh, downstairs and there is a hot tub at the place we're working. So I like dipped one foot into the hot tub and then all of a sudden I was like, this is amazing. What an opportunity to work on this show with my friend and like, this hot tub is just like restoring me and like, oh, everything's going to be okay. You know, just like that was a black and white, right? Like, I'm going to kill myself. This is horrible. To like, everything's going to be okay. But, you know, life Look at is that. Good. Look at that. I'm so, taking care of. So the lesson is you took a minute of self-care, right? A moment of self-care and, and you were restored to sanity. You had a spiritual awakening via hot tubbing. Were you alone in the hot tub? <laughs> alone. Alone in the world. Where was the hot tub? In Burbank, baby. Do you want to hear some breaking right. news before you go? Yeah, what is that? It looks like internationally famous top chef chef Gregory Gorday is in to the Othello cookie. <laughs> Good luck. What do you think about that? I think um, I would love to see the Othello come to a Whole Foods near me. Don't you don't think out of all of my cockamamie plans, Aurora? What do you think the plan that will make me rich will be? Not the Othello. Not the but Othello. I, but I would love you. <laughs> but I would love you to prove me wrong. All right. Well, Listen, I I'm driving and I and now it's getting hairy, so I have to go. But happy birthday. No, we have to end the show now. You were you were the you were the big finale, Aurora, and I appreciate the hot tubbing. End to the story. So at the end of the show, we say, Dopey Nation, please. Yeah, no, 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 not yet. Wait, calm down. 
<laughs> write an email. I have to go. Wait, not yet. Talk about Aurora. Talk about her hot tubbing experience. Send an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for observing Dopey Day. Aurora, you're going to put the logo over your eyes in memoration of Chris and all that good stuff for Dopey Day. Yes, I will. You're going to put the logo over your eyes. We've got murals going up in L.A., Raleigh, North Carolina, fucking Ohio, New York, fucking Philadelphia. Are you excited? I'm so stoked. That's like a West Coast thing. You say stoked and happy birthday. Anyway... Please participate in Dopey Day and... Listen, I love ya. Minase, toodles. Have a great birthday. Thank you, Aurora. So that was the wonderful Aurora. And I have to say, these the Dopey Day shows, they take a lot out of me. They uh, And like Colin said, there's something about it that's very good for me also because I listen, I listen to the old ones more than I used to. And, and it's really weird. And I said weird like 20 times in describing this, but it is a surreal experience because what I have to do, and I'm sure you guys know this if you listen to the old episodes, is you have to take out your phone or cue up your podcast and you have to scroll back and back and back. And it's like a time machine. And, And for me, you know, we talked about like if my kids ever listen to Dopey, but the truth is that Dopey is a total, as to as up to this day, Dopey is a total encapsulation of my clean time from four months to six years. And I scroll back and I'm scrolling back on my life. And that's a a weird thing. It's a surreal phenomenon. And I'm scrolling back to before my best friends died and and to hear what I was like before that happened. And that's a a heavy duty thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to make this show with Chris and I'm grateful that Todd got to pop in when he could. And I'm so grateful to have heard from so many people today, uh, wishing me well on my sixth anniversary. Cause that's an amazing thing. I never imagined getting six years. Uh, but hearing from so many people who feel connected to me and to the show is, is an unbelievable feeling on my way home. I got some, uh, messages on Facebook from the administrators of the Dopey Nation asking if I was home, freaking out, because they got me something. And when I came home, Linda was home, and they had gotten me this cake, and they were scared it was going to melt because it was fucking 100 degrees today. But they got me this beautiful dark chocolate cake with chocolate chips that said, happy sixth birthday on it, which was the nicest thing. And my family was so excited. And and that's just an amazing, it's an amazing, it's an actual amazing gift from my recovery, but it's also an amazing gift from doing this podcast. And uh, we've been scouring for quotes and for clips from old shows. And I don't know, I was drawn to that episode where Dave Marshall died. Sam had pointed it out to me and I heard this other clip And it was something that I think about that Chris said all the time. So I'm going to play it for you. But I like to set up the clip. So I'm going to set up the clip. And we were doing the show uh, to commemorate Dave. And Omar of the Share podcast was coming on. He was calling in. And I haven't talked to Omar since since just right after Chris died. It's funny. But so so Chris was trying to fill time before Omar comes on and he wants to know what I thought, if I have any final words about our friend Dave Marshall who had died. So here, here it is. 
Well, we supposedly have Omar with the sexy voice from the Share podcast calling in any minute from Costa Rica, and he has to call us, so I just wanted to give you a forum to say any closing remarks about Dave. Um, I've said it all. I'm we, sorry to cut you off, but it's okay. I love Dave. Um, I, I didn't know him for a long time, but he was a very, very sweet and cool and generous and honest person, and uh, I'm sad he's dead. And uh, and I'm sad that he died uh, from drug addiction, and I'm sad for anybody else that's going to die from drug addiction, and that if you hear this, just know that it's a, a good chance if you're shooting dope that it could kill you. Totally. You know, and, I mean, that's just the reality of it, you know, and I just... You know, I think when I was doing it, I never... I was like, there's no way it's going to kill me. No, I, th- I, I remember waking up in the emergency room in Harlem, and the first thing I thought was... Literally, the first thing I thought was, this isn't that bad. Right. And it was bad. It was like, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, the first thing that comes to my head is, it's not that bad. Oh, like, my funny. denial, like, my brain, like, right. rebooted, and I opened my eyes, and the first thing that, like, when, like... Chris's brain was online was like denial. <laughs> it was like this isn't bad, right? Even though it's bad. Now, I remember one time I woke up on the floor of uh, the bathroom in St. Vincent's Hospital, where the lady was going, "Boy, you're too old to be acting like that." And I'm thinking, this place is kind of nice. <laughs> She's got a really cool accent. But so, Dopey Nation, you know, man, fucking a. Uh, I hope you guys don't die. And uh, and you're our people, man. We don't yeah. want you to die. We want you to die. We just don't want you guys to die. No. Okay? And, and like, you know, the next shot you take could be your last. It's so sad. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> what? It's true. You, I know you don't like those truisms. No, that's a that's um cliched. No, I think that's a line from a uh, from a Rolling Stones song. Is it really? <gasps> it's Omar. Okay, great. This is Omar. I love that clip. Um. It breaks my heart, but I love that clip. That clip, for some reason, reminds me of The Godfather, the end of The Godfather, where they're all sitting around the table, and Michael says he's going to enlist, and uh, I think the Don is coming home with a with a birthday cake, and he never gets to the door. And, and in this clip, Omar is the Don, but... Um, yeah, Chris didn't think he could die. And the the last shot he took was his last. And I don't like the cliche of it, but it's reality. And I'll say it again. If you guys are, are, are if you're using, I understand it's hard to stop using. Uh, just know that if you're shooting dope, it'll, it can probably kill you. And, and fentanyl is in everything. And you guys need to be cautious because you can die. Just like Chris, just like Dave, just like Colleen, just like Andrew, just like... William, just like Troy, just like Scott, and whoever else I'm missing. It's such a a comprehensive list that we can't even keep track of it. We can't even keep track of everybody that dies because they just disappear. So please don't do that. Merry Christmas to you. If you're an artist, take out a fucking piece of paper and a pen. Do some dopey art for Christmas. Dopey day, which is Monday. Do a chalk drawing. Do some graffiti. Vandalize the neighborhood. Do something. Let your freak flag fly. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. I want my baby back, baby, 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 back, baby,
I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, back. I want my baby. You have to back. I want my baby. I'll tap you when you I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, Come on, dude. You know the top part. Do you know the top part? I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back. Just do it, man, please. I can't fucking finish it out. I'm just keep picturing the hundreds of people listening to this. I feel like this would be like a good sleep podcast. We could just do an hour of uh, home. <laughs> I just want to do the part, just please. All right, all right, last you time. This is the last time. This is the last time we're going to try, okay? No, no, no. No, 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 no I'm going to get it. I don't think I can do the top part. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, 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 baby back. Barbecue sauce, barbecue sauce. It's not yet. That was good. That was good enough. That was the best we're getting. We're done. I agree with that. Do you know the lion sleeps tonight in the jungle? Do you want to do the bottom part or the top part? The lion sleeps tonight. You went to the bottom part? I'm bottom. I can't do top. The top you know the bottom part? Yeah, in the jungle. No, it goes, a little bit away. Okay. Away, all right. All right, I'll do that. Okay. I, that's what gave me a nice little rush last time. The yeah. mini back. I feel like it's a similar tone. Yeah. I didn't even like it that much. <laughs> Dude, they fucking, they say that in The Lion King, there's some sort of like... <laughs> 
everything to you is toodles. Why? Dude, the Dopey Nation loves toodles. The Dopey Nation loves toodles. Yeah. And most importantly... It's not... It, don't even say it. And most importantly... How about there was, there was a guy who wrote... Somebody had written something. Well, he said, when I hear Stay Strong Dopey Nation without hearing toodles, it's like getting a blowjob and instead of coming, getting kicked in the balls. <laughs> And with that, toodles, my friends. You don't have to. You don't even say "stay strong." You're just gonna say "toodles" without "stay strong." Just toodles. Toodles. Jesus Christ. Toodles. 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 You don't have to say toodles. All right. Toodles. 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 Please drop a review. Just don't say toodles. Toodles. It's not cool. Toodles. 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 Say toodles. Don't no, say toodles. No, I'm not. That's all you. Sorry. Stay strong, dopey nation. All right, toodles. You don't need to say that. You don't have to. Toodles. Don't say that. Toodles. Say toodles. Toodles. Toodles, guys. Toodles. Toodles. You don't have to say toodles. I do. Toodles. 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 We say it for the fiftieth episode. I think you can say it. I won't. What about for, for the hundredth? I don't say toodles. I say stay strong, Dopey Nation. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit that toodles and add it. Great. Uh, <laughs> you don't know how to do that anyway. Alright, toodles. Toodles. Toodles bye. Toodles. The first person I ever said toodles was that him. Nobody ever says toodles, really? thank you. Toodles. 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 Uh, toodles. Let your freak flag fly. Toodles. 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 And? Toodles. Toodles. You said it. Oh, you God. said it. All right. Toodles. Wait, wait, wait. Toodles. 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 You don't have to say toodles every episode. Toodles. You don't have to say toodles on every episode. Say it. Say toodles? Yeah. Say strong and toodles. Toodles. You don't have to say toodles. 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 And thank you, Jesse. You don't have to say toodles. It's unnecessary. You don't need to say toodles every time. Toodles. You don't. It doesn't have to happen like that. Stay strong. And toodles. And it's not necessary. You don't have to say anything anymore. I just like... I know you think it's not necessary. It sounds very, like, gay and effeminate to say toodles. Toodles. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles. And write an email. And toodles. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be about toodles. Just and write an toodles. email. Toodles. Don't say toodles. 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 You, you don't think that's a strong ending? I think it's a good ending. Beautiful. That's your ending? <laughs> uh, toodles is my ending. You know that. Imagine you're in front of somebody and they say, I love it when Chris says toodles. <laughs> what would happen to you? I would lean forward and say toodles. Dopey Nation, we love you and okay. we want you to be well. All right, toodles. You don't want them to be well? I do. Be well. Be well. And toodles. 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 Stay strong, my brothers yes, and sisters and, and, and toodles. 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 Stay strong, my brothers and sisters. Toodles. Stay strong. Toodles. 
Don't say toodles. 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 Me not say toodles. Lord of mercy. Me not say toodles. 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 Write us a review. More reviews than Omar. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles, Look, look, someone just liked my tweet just now. Toodles. 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 Say toodles. 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 And thank you, Jessa Reed. Toodles. Toodles. You don't say that shit. Toodles. You don't have to say toodles every time. You really, you really don't have to say it. Every time. Toodles. 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 Stay strong, my brothers and sisters in that recovery. And toodles. I'm gonna stop their call recorder. You can stay on mine. All right. Baby, you don't have to say toodles. It's unnecessary. Toodles. One, two, three, four, and dead. Building standing set, standing their ground to defend against the rest. We're all at odds. Don't forget your bets from the roof. I yell, you hardly break a sweat. Sabotage is no longer camouflage. It's almost in the open, so you better quit your jobs. Can't say it looks too good. It could be on mirage. Pointed at your head. I think it's time to dodge. And I haven't paid my rent, and my money's overspent. I used to call my friends They'll all be back when I'm on my feet again But sabotage is no longer camouflage It's almost in the open so you better quit your jobs you can't say it looks too good It could be a mirage pointed at your head I think it's time to dodge Slow style Forever's a long time To pay that kind of price Might think you saw it coming it could have just been the northern lights And a long time away It's an hour and an hour from when I don't remember when it started Thursday or Friday or then again It could have been forever in debt Building standing set I'm back to the beginning Got no time to second guess Yes, I'm easily impressed The ways you do profess Control the situations by the moods inside your dress What? I gotta go, got nothing left to say What time is the show, I can't anyone say I gotta go, got no more time today Tomorrow is a long, long time from today Tomorrow is a long, long time from today Tomorrow is a long, long time from today I wanna take a walk around the world Wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood
But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this aeroplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller and it's high noon where I stand Shadows getting smaller and smaller And it's high noon where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I want to be good so bad Want to be good so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had and these suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had